0: You can't
1: stop me.
2: Nothing's going to stand in my way. Welcome to the Donald Thompson podcast. Uh, Today I have two friends, uh, very good friends of mine, Greg Hedgepeth and uh, Evelyn uh, Billingsley from Substantial Media. And so both of you, thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. Pleasure to be here.
3: Thank you for having us.
2: One of the things that we'll do that's a little bit different is uh, I'm going to give you all the space to introduce yourself talk a little bit about what you do and in your business endeavors. And then we're going to kind of flip the script, right? You all are going to interview me about entrepreneurship and about uh, mistakes, which I've made a lot of them in different visions. And so I think the, the audience will enjoy uh kind of a walk down memory lane and how I learned what I did through trial, failure and adjustment. And so Greg, why don't you take it away? And then Evelyn, you wrap it up with just giving a little background to our audience and uh, Greg,
1: I'll turn it over to you. Absolutely. So I'm Greg Hedgepeth, and I'm super excited to be here with you, Donald Thompson, talking a little bit about substantial media LLC, which I'll get into. But first, I always share that I'm just a young Halifax County, uh, free spirited country guy that's trying to figure out how, how to make things happen. I've been in uh, the marketing and communications space now for about 15 years and really started to endeavor into the more entrepreneurial, social entrepreneurship space as of recent with this project that we have called Substantial Media. It is uh, an opportunity to create and produce editorial content on an online platform that tells the stories of influent, affluent minorities while discussing relevant issues that directly impact us in in our local, state, and, and from a national level. Awesome. Evelyn?
3: Thank you again, Donald, for having us. I'm Evelyn Dell, and I am the editor-in-chief of Substantial Magazine. So we are the storytelling arm of the Substantial Media uh, Conglomeration. And as Greg mentioned, you know, we tell the stories of influential minorities. And, you know, we, we have a lot of great supporters, of course, starting in Eastern North Carolina, Greg and I both being pirates. And um excited about this journey that we're on. We relaunched this year. We Took a long hiatus from when we first started about six years ago and we have picked things back up and we are just running full speed. So I'm truly grateful for that.
2: Oh, Fantastic. Well, I am uh, excited to be with you and I'm going to turn the stage <laughs> over to you, which I don't do lightly. So that's a compliment. Yeah. Anything and I'll
1: give you the best I got. I don't know. Absolutely. and And you know what? I think it's rightfully so, because for us, we're always in the chair doing the interviewing. Right. And so when asked to come on anyone's show or be a part of any uh, interview ourselves, we're like, wait, that that's our role. So yeah. we flip the script. And I want to start by just simply saying, Donald, with over like 20 years of growing and leading firms, you know, just serving as a thought leader in this space, being uh, uh, the CEO of Walt West, a digital marketing firm based in Raleigh co-founder of the diversity movement in a time where I mean diversity equity inclusion and championing that message is so important being an investor which we'll talk about in a little bit a mentor a coach and and, and then of all things like literally a content producer yourself right mm-hmm. uh, producing content the WRL Tech wire the entrepreneur magazine I mean uh, this podcast series that I am a huge fan of and follow like just first and foremost, Tell our audience, like out of all of that said, who Donald Thompson is.
2: So when I talk to folks and answer that question, who am I? I'm the son of a football coach. And that says a lot. Right. That lets you know that I moved around a lot in the football business. Right. You win. You stay. People are patting you on the back. You lose. A U-Haul truck is coming. Right. And you got to move to the next city and and, and get it done again. And so I lived in uh, Connecticut, in Pennsylvania, I lived in Louisiana and Kentucky uh, and obviously North Carolina. And that's where I went to high school and and some college. One of the things that I would say defines me is that, you know, I'm a dream chaser. And Mm -hmm. it means very simply is that when I see something that I want to go after, I have a competitive learning mentality that I want to learn about it. I want to study. I want to find people in the space that can educate me. But I believe that I can do it, too. Right. I believe Mm -hmm. enough in me that I'm not limited by somebody else's narrative about my, what my life should be. And so I'm willing to try. And one of the, what I think is like my superpower is I'm willing to be bad at something for a while until I can be good. I'm willing to be good at something for a while until I can learn how to someday be great at something. And so I credit that attitude, that mindset of hopefulness and ambition to to my parents, to my grandparents that that fought and marched and struggled so that I could see the world for the goodness in the world because they took some of the arrows for me. Right. And so my responsibility to pay them back is to succeed to the level that I could make the path smoother for people that came behind me. And so one of the things that of any level of success that I've had is a high degree of humility right? I don't believe I've done things because I'm special. What's special about me is my work ethic, not necessarily my talent, not necessarily my background, but my commitment to the things that I try to do. And I hold the opportunities that I have dearly. And that way I I protect my dream as that precious resource that it is. And I think most people, when they think about success and who they are, they give a little bit too much weight to what other people think they are. And not enough weight to who they think they are, and um, that's something that helps define kind of not only who I am, but who I want and dream to be. I'll say this last thing is that I went way old school recently. So I went to Blockbuster. I had my Blockbuster, not Blockbuster. They're they're dead and gone. Uh, Barnes and Noble, Blockbuster. I didn't have a time machine. I didn't go to Blockbuster. Uh, I went to Barnes and Nobles, and I had my mask on and 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 looked through. But I got a bunch of magazines. And I started cutting out pictures and I'm building my dream board of what I want to do and be and achieve in the next five to seven years. Because what I realized about success is the reason that I've done some things that have worked out is I've always been so future focused that the challenges of the moment were just a thing to overcome to get to this future. Right. That kept me up at night because I was chasing that dream. Mm-hmm. And most people don't have a strong enough vision for what they want, so then anything will knock them off track. But Mm -hmm. the more you tightly define what it is you want and the impact to other people that you can have, then it becomes more difficult for naysayers or challenges that we all have right, to knock you off track. They may slow you down. They may bring you to a stop for just a moment. But they're not going to make you get off of that train for your success, and then start living a life to please other people. And so I'm very big on goals. I'm very big on what what do I want? What do I need to do to get what I want? And then who do I need to surround myself to help me get there?
3: Wow, that is very aspirational yeah i love what you say about not being afraid to fail because i think a lot of times we're in the process of learning how to you know build and grow a business or even just you know thinking about the fact that we can we do have the capability to to go outside of the box and go into entrepreneurship we are afraid to fail you have a quote on your website and it says changing culture through innovative business strategy i love that what You know, to me, that's that stood out amongst everything else that I already know about you. When was it that you realized that that was one of the key components to your career?
2: So growing up, sports played a big role in my life because that's how my family paid their bills. And, you know, I remember being on sidelines and I used to at an early age. The games weren't the most exciting thing to me right? Going into a stadium with 70,000 people, seeing the games, being on the sidelines with my dad, that was fun and gave me a lot of memories. But I like to watch my dad's football teams practice. I like to watch how they interacted with the coaches and the other players. I like to understand how they trained, what they had to go through so that when the lights came on, they could perform at a high level. And so what I started to understand as a youngster is that one, you can't do anything by yourself if you have a big goal, right? The only, the only people that can do something by themselves, their goals are small. But if you have a big goal, that means you need to be a part of and lead and develop a team. And so therefore the culture of who you spend time with, the people you learn from, the people you associate with, you have to find people that you can count on. And one of the things that, and, and I appreciate the question, it's given me memories and little chills. As I remember, uh, I was probably man, maybe I was 13. I was at one of the practices with with one of my dad's teams and and I was watching him talk to his team after practice and they would have little sayings that they would do after they break their huddle and stuff. And one of the slogans that I'll never forget is they said in unison, you can count on me. And so I was always looking for people that I could count on when I was hiring, that would be what they said they are on their resume. And then I wanted to be someone that people could count on. I wanted to be able to look people in the eye and say, you can count on me. That if I'm in business with you, if I'm a sales rep for your company, you can count on me. If I'm on your board of directors, or you and I are partners in a new business venture, you can count on me. I didn't want to be the weak link of why that team wasn't a high-performing team. And that has to do with a culture of excellence, right? That has to do with a lot of times people that are coming up, and I get it, right? Some people may come from a socioeconomic environment where not having three meals a day, one meal a day is a luxury. How are we going to pay the light bill and the mortgage and the phone bill and the car payment? How do you raise your vision above your circumstance? That's difficult. I don't wanna come from a place that that's easy to do. I wanna come from a place that it's worth it to do. And that's different. It's a difference between easy and worth it. And as I came up and grew up, I just needed to know it was worth it. And then I was willing to commit to do what was required to succeed and win.
1: Wow. First and foremost, you know how like they say you find glimpses of yourself and other people, right? But like, I, I almost see mere image. And, and it is absolutely the reason why I am a faithful person and I truly believe that you know people are placed in your path on purpose, right? Like we're just living out the story that has already been written uh, and we have to be obedient to it. Because when I think about why we started substantial and the mere definition of the term being strongly built or made in just those two questions we asked you, you exuded and exemplified Every bit of that. You're the CEO of one of the larger digital marketing companies here in Raleigh, uh, Walk West. And I've been in the higher education, marketing, communications, public relations space on an, in another hat. What I find a lot of times is that, you know, from a diversity perspective, those in leadership roles, it, it's, it, we're few and far in between. And so, again, this speaks to your character. That firm is claim to fame, is it positions itself as a team of creative problem solvers? Like coming into that space and, and championing it, how has that been for you? One, but then two, talk about your approach as it relates to building that company over time.
2: Yeah, I appreciate the question. You know, what do people want from a marketing firm or a partner? Right? They want more leads. We talk about all different kinds of stuff, and they want more leads to convert into customers so they can make more money. And so when you break things down to the very simple foundation, life's not as complicated as we make it, and neither is marketing. So now what we have to do is when we know that you want more leads, when you want to convert those leads into clients, what's stopping you from doing that today? And let's have that conversation. Because some people will come to us and say, we need a new website. We need a promotional video. We need more SEO. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. What we need to find out is what are you already doing? What can we do to amplify what you're already doing that's working? And what new ways can we tell your story across these digital platforms so that you can get more leads, more clients that convert into dollars? By keeping it simple, We're able to look at what that client does and not move the needle with the latest marketing buzz salad phrase. But how do we get the business outcome that companies need? So in building the company, back to your question, we had to find people of diverse backgrounds, not just for the sake of having women in leadership, but having different thought processes that we could attach to the problems we're trying to overcome for our clients. If you have a homogeneous team, all white males, blue blazer, white shirt, khakis, you're going to get a homogeneous marketing strategy. That does not creatively help you solve problems. The reason that we're winning at Walk West is you are able to progress in our firm based on performance, not based on pedigree which means we're able to attract creative, strong thinkers from a multitude of backgrounds because they want to be on a team that, number one, is growing. Number two, is growing in a way that grows people as well as clients. So we want to give people the opportunity to stretch themselves. Everybody says they want to work for a startup organization, a fast-growing organization. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. A lot of people like to work with an organization that's steady as they go, Job is the same. Standard is the same. In our case, in growing from 2015 to 2020, 2018, 2019, 2020, Inc. 5000. That means if you're growing to the next level every year, that means expectations are changing. If you're growing every year, that means you're chasing larger clients, which means your competition is stronger, which means you have to be better and stronger. So in building a culture, we had to find absolute creative winners, right, that wanted to be in that process of continued evolution, not people that wanted to rest on the creative project they did last year. We needed to find people that were chasing what's next, not justifying what is now based on what they did in the past. We're looking for people that want to create the future for our clients. And that is a different cat. Right. That's a different person. And so a lot of what we had to do at Walk West, I was an investor in 2015, not really hands on running the business. And then in 2018, uh, I became the CEO and we had to transition a little a little bit in the company because some people just wanted to hang out a little bit. And there's nothing in my DNA about hanging out and doing average work for any length of time. Not nothing. I'm not everybody's cup of tea or coffee or different things. So we had to create alignment between a growing standard and then the type of people that want to chase their career growth in a company that's going to give them the space to do it, but the expectation that they do it. The expectation that no matter whether you're an intern or the CEO, the best idea wins. And that type of culture is something that I try to instill in the companies that I create or the companies that I work with or the companies that I serve on boards and different things with. It's hard to be an entrepreneur, but it's rewarding to be an entrepreneur. Right? I've worked in companies that are much, much larger and there's value in large corporations. I, I don't mean it like that, but but I have too many ideas to work in a big company because <laughs> I got to see my ideas put in action. Like I can't write you know 10 page memos that circulate through the hierarchy. Right, like so, as an entrepreneur, you either think my idea is good or not good. I need to up or down vote on that right now. <laughs> I don't mean that you need to accept all my ideas, but you need to hear about them, right? And those are the kind of people that thrive in the in the companies that we're
1: building.
3: It sounds like um, an ideal place to work. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I think one of the things, and, and I can speak, you know, from a personal standpoint, you know, just being in that creative space, it's very hard to strike that balance of, you know, how do I put myself in a position where I'm excelling my professional career and managing the creative chaos that's in my mind, you know, but also being a leader at the same time, there's so many moving parts. And I, you know, that's something that I don't think they necessarily teach all the time when you're in school and you're learning how, you know, to do a trade or something like that. Uh, so I appreciate that, that, that insight for us. I'm, I'm curious to know, um, and I guess it kind of blends a little bit together, speaks to, you know, the backstory, you know, tell us a little bit about the diversity movement and how that came to be.
2: Yeah, I appreciate the question very much. And, you know, I had no intention of starting another company. So let's start there. (laughs) You know, my my wife uh, was like, what are you doing? Uh, In marketing and the diversity movement was birthed out of Walk West, we started to get a lot of our clients that were very sincerely looking at their messaging to multicultural audiences. We had clients that were doing videos or content and we're looking at their website and we would ask them, Do you only want to sell to white people? They were like, No, of course not. No, 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 of course no. But there's only white people on your website, and there are only white people on it, but like you you have zero imagery of anything other than right, that majority group. And they're like, We didn't even realize it. We had video shoots to where a script is written but it's tone deaf to anybody except one specific group. And we started to ask our clients as we were helping them and supporting them on their journey. We looked back into their organizations and we said, do you want to understand diversity, Mm -hmm. equity, inclusion internally, or just market to sell more products? And overwhelmingly our clients were like, we want to learn more. It wasn't a lack of interest or commitment. It was a lack of, knowing how, what to do, how to think about it. And so we did some sessions with our clients just based on our life experience because we have a diverse company. And then we said, wait a minute, if people are gonna really trust us with these conversations, we might wanna get some training. <laughs> we, we might wanna like, right now we winging it. We don't wanna hurt nobody, right? And so four of our executives at Walk West became certified diversity executives and we went through a very intense training regimen and it changed us Mm -hmm. and we said you know what with this knowledge and then our background as communicators our background as business leaders now our certifications from going through these experiences and training we started to say how do we want to help and so we said let's build an e-learning course right And then that way we can just sell this e-learning course and we can help people. And so we invested hundreds of thousands of dollars, videos, podcasts, uh, hiring an instructional designer. And we built beyond the checkbox, right, because what we wanted to encourage people to do around DEI is move beyond the checkbox. And how do you implement and move forward and create measurable outcomes for diversity, equity, inclusion? We took this course through a beta program and we had close to 100 people in our beta program and we did not launch the the e-learning course until we got over 4.5 average score in the beta. And then as we built the course, as we were doing over a thousand hours of research, Jackie Ferguson put into doing and building this course. We were like, there's not anything out there that's better than what we're doing, Mm -hmm. Right? We looked at what was done at Cornell, at Yale, and, and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And ours is better. Like, I mean, people can do what they want, they buy what they want, but ours is better, right? Because ours wasn't built by HR personnel. Ours was built by business leaders, ours was built by people that lived experience, our marketers, Emmy Award winning journalists, right? Contributed to this content. And then people were looking at the course, part of the beta. They were like, we need you to come in and help our company. And now fast forward from May to now, we probably have, I don't want to get into details, but 50 plus clients, over a million dollars in revenue. And we've spun it out officially into its own company. And we're going to go out for, uh, for funding to help us grow our dream and our vision uh, in the next 30 to 40 days to where we're going to look at investors and different things like that. Our premise with the diversity movement was... We needed to move beyond just the DEI pep rally. So we incorporated DEI content into a mobile app that we have, that we provide to clients. We have built a peer learning portal so that DEI practitioners can get together and share information, insights and best practices. We've built a portfolio now of e-learning courses so that we can basically create behavioral change at scale. Right? And that's what we're trying to do and accomplish. And so it started as a passion project, right? something we wanted to do to be helpful, and it has turned into a mission. It's turned into a movement. And so as we were looking at the name of the company. That's why we came to the conclusion that we wanted to call it the diversity movement because we wanted to build something that was going to be bigger and is bigger than even the impact we could have alone.
3: That is amazing. Uh, you know, And I, I guess, and I know Greg can probably identify with, with that story because, you know, we say to each other all the time, it's it's the gift and the curse of the creative brain. You right. know, you, you have one mission and it automatically starts to, you know, have these branches that are going off. And we definitely want to talk a little bit about scaling your business too. Um, But before, you know, we dive into that, just a quick follow-up to what you said. I love how you said how your team was built in providing those solutions for companies. Obviously, you know, current events, things like that, there's a buzzword, you know, there's everyone is wanting to be uh, inclusive and a lot of people tend to miss the mark. How does that presence of cultural, current events, pop culture, things like that, how does that affect the way you do business? You know, because I know, you know, as a seasoned business leader, a lot of times you can tell the difference between a company who is truly committed to that and someone who is just kind of filling in the gaps for the moment.
2: Yeah, the the customers that get the highest level benefit from working with the diversity movement are those that want to go on the journey with us. And they understand that it's a process of try, fail, and adjust. We don't have the answers. We're going to help them find them in a way that aligns with the mission, values, and objectives of their company. We're not a one size fits all organization. Just like individuals learn differently, companies have different cultures. And so some people can learn through listening to a podcast and apply that thinking. Some people can sit in a live course or a virtual training. Some people need to watch privately because this content is sensitive and tough. People have to internally look at themselves. How do they need to be better? How do they need to think different? And so we try to provide tools that align with the psychological safety that people need to really take on tough subject matter and then prepare them to now go into a group setting and be more engaged. And we found that Diversity, equity, inclusion is now a C-level conversation. And that's very, very important. I'll give a couple of examples. Um, We found that the companies that are succeeding with our programming and and, and on the journey with us, the C-suite is actively involved. Right? So it's not just CEO buy-in. It's CEO engagement. Right? And those things are different. Right? A CEO can buy into something and then say, here's some money, go do that. Or a CEO and his, and his or her leaders or, or their leadership can lead by example. And so the corporations that we're looking for, because we're still a smaller firm, we're on the rise, but we're a smaller firm. And so we're really, really fortunate that like we can only take on so many projects and partners at, at the same time. And so we do like to vet the clients to make sure that as we're going on this journey, that there really is an openness to change mindsets and mental models and thinking. And and that does have to come from the top down, because organizations respond right to the language, to the behaviors, to the commitments of the leadership. And that's whether it's the United States of America, that's whether it's your church, that's whether it's a university, a corporation, or a startup. And so it's very important that we give leaders the space and one of the things that I have a wonderful team, the area that I excel in, right, that I am valuable, is speaking with board members and executives. Because I've handled a p and I've built businesses, I've sold companies. So independent of the size of organization I'm talking to, there's a kindred of that thinking because I understand the challenge of working on an initiative that you don't fully understand its payback yet. And the bottom line elements of having to meet your quarterly numbers. And so I'm able to tie together diversity, equity, inclusion into the DNA of their strategy. And that's the language of leaders. Leaders don't have really the autonomy to do things just because they're good in most cases. Because most leaders of organizations don't own 100% of the company. And so boards, uh, DEI is good. Uh, I'm going to need my 15% profit, though. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Someone needs you to explain to me how this goodness is going to be goodness for my wallet. Right. And so that's the kind of conversation that I'm able to have with with organizations and then demonstrate those measurements in real time. It's a great question.
1: No. Wow. That's uh, it, it. It reminds me of two quotes. One is that there are so many more important things than money, but it takes money to do all of those very important things. And then based on uh, what you just mentioned in the historic moment that happened in our nation, if we're talking about recent events in, in current culture, was the fact that during this exchange of power, we said that we, we lead not by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. And it sounds like that is what the diversity movement is doing from the top down as saying, hey, you are the power, the the simple in this organization, and it is going to take a you committing yourself and engaging in this work yeah. to get others excited about it and committed to doing it as well. So that is hats off, speaks to the mindset that you have as it relates to just overall entrepreneurship, sure. business success. Uh, I'll ask if I can, I'll pivot back to that. You served as a mentor, you're a board member, you're an investor. What are twofold question? What are some things that you're looking for when you're about to take on that next mentee or 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 you're willing to coach someone or set on a board or invest in a company? And then I'll ask the other part of that is, you know, what is something that an aspiring entrepreneur or even a seasoned professional should be looking for in a mentor, an investor, or, or someone to sit on their board, if that makes
2: sense. So when I'm looking to invest in a company, and I'll start there and kind of move through the board piece, right? Can I add more value than just dollars? Because I'm a hands-on investor, not so much a passive investor. I like to work with the people and the teams that where I put my money, both because I enjoy building teams and work with people, but I also enjoy watching where my money's at. Right. So I I just don't write checks and kind of forget. I don't have money like that. But the second thing and the most important thing. Is the leader of that organization a competitive learner? right? Are they really open to new ideas or ways to make their ideas better? Might not always be a new idea, but to make their good idea better. It's very important that openness aligned with commitment to their vision. See, some people are so committed to their vision, they don't hear the thoughts of others. That That's not good, right? You want to be committed to your vision, but you want to leave 5% to where you can hear the voices of people that think you might need to move in a different direction. It doesn't mean you always listen to that external voice or board, but you have understood that perspective to strengthen the resolve of your ideas to strengthen your product or service offering. From a board standpoint, you know, I'm much more open these days about board service because I think that that's the next frontier of Mm -hmm. diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's where the power sits, Mm -hmm. right? You think about a board of an organization, that's who selects the CEO, that's who keeps the management team accountable. I've been very fortunate to be offered the opportunity to, I work with Town Bank and I'm on their Triangle board. Vidant Medical Center, which is a a multi billion dollar organization in Eastern North Carolina, Uh, I'm on their board and very, very fortunate. I got a call from their CEO the other day and and they asked me to serve on their executive committee. So I'm on their board now. I got more work. So I must have done something. I I said something in a meeting that they like, you know, and so they they want me to do a little bit more. Uh, The board service is really exciting to me these days because it allows me to. Take the experiences that I've had and be valuable to other leaders. But also, I'm learning so much from the other board members, right? I'm in meetings now, listening to brilliant people that are all there together for a common goal, which is to help serve more people in underserved markets in eastern North Carolina. Right. When I'm talking about Biden. Uh, When I talk about Town Bank, I'm learning more about the financial industry, right, which is very, very powerful. When I joined the board of an entrepreneurship program at NC State and working with young people and how they're chasing their dreams. And so for me, the board service is all about give back. And I select that again, can I be helpful? Can I have an impact? And I will say this very clearly, I am not interested in boards that just kind of kick it, have a nice dinner, golf once a month. I'm just like, that's that's not my style. I'm interested in boards where they're asking something of me to where I can be valuable. I can be supportive. I can really help. And then from that, what I get back is exposure, experience, and education at a different level that I need to grow it. Right? And so the board work is really a win-win for a lot of the organizations that
1: that I'm a part of. No, thank you for that. And first and foremost, just humbled by your sheer competitive nature to continue to grow. When we started this conversation, hey, I went out old school, Barnes and Nobles, grabbed some magazines, and I'm doing a vision board (laughs) 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 on the board of (laughs) Town Bank, one (laughs) of the largest medical providers in the state of North Carolina. And he ain't putting a vision for this because you have to have that vision. You have to always yes. know where that next thing is, and you also I, I, I feel your pain when you say your wife said you doing what now? Like you are gonna do one more thing? Like what are you? <laughs> it, sounds <familiar. laughs> it sounds so familiar, right? But I, I I promise you, this is going somewhere. So how do you balance it all? Our listeners are listening, and they're saying, "Man, like I want to, but I just don't have." I, I, where do I build in the capacity, the time?
2: Yeah. There's phases in life. And so it's actually, it's a good question that I get pretty often, but you have to think about, you, I have to answer that question about where I was 20 years ago, 10 years ago, not where I'm at now. Where I'm at now is I have a team. Where I'm at now, I have a, an assistant. Where I'm at now is I have a marketing organization that can help me with my personal, like I have some built-in advantages now, right? Because I've been able to create synergistic organizations and partnerships and different things early in my career, I was not in balance.
3: Mm.
2: I had a family that I needed to feed and these young children as a father that I wanted to have an amazing life. I didn't think I needed to hear anything about work-life balance. I needed to hear about work, 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 work. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And then, and then after I developed a skill set for some things and I was good enough at my job, I started to be able to throttle back a little bit because I had developed a skill set that was valuable in addition to my work ethic. But there's a phase where you have to say, I'm willing to be a little bit out of balance that I can make this move. That's not a 10-year phase. That's not a, That's not what I mean, but there are phases to balance, right? And you got to know what season you're in. So, and and i would talk to my kids and you can talk to my kids like, hey, because they understood the difference between how we started to live as my career progressed. Do you want me to be able to say yes to vacation in a cool space or not this year? Mm-hmm. What answer do you want? I remember my daughter, Sierra, said uh, she went to App State, graduated with honors. Her video production team, she's in communications. So she worked on a TV show in school, and they won the mm-hmm. national championship for uh, communications undergrads in the nation. They did this competition with a TV show. Mm-hmm. Do, did great. right? Nice. I remember she was in high school, junior. She said, Dad, do we have a college fund for me to go to school? Because you know how you meet with counselors and they talk to you about how you can pay for school and different things. And so she comes home all day. You know, she's excited about college. She's doing good in school. Do we have a college fund set? I was like, no. She said, "Uh, excuse me? (laughs) I said, and and I went to my office and and I pulled out my checkbook. I said, that's your college fund. She said, what do you mean? I said, I write a check for whatever you need for college you keep your nose clean, you keep out of trouble, you keep good grades, I got it. And she was like, her eyes got big because she she didn't really understand how well or not well we were doing at that point, right? Like we, we had progressed enough. And she said, well, how can you do that? I said, remember the times where daddy had to work a little bit extra and I was maybe about 10 minutes late for your basketball game? And I hugged you and, and, and just hoped you'd understand. She was like, yeah. She said, but you always tried to come. I said, but because of those things we did, you don't have to worry about college. That because of those things we did as a family, you don't have to worry about that. And she said, I got it. And then she said, thank you. Right? Because your kids don't understand when they're little. But how do you feel like, let's, let's just talk real talk for a second. Now, I understand I'm in the DEI space. I, I get it. There is a traditional mindset of a father wanting to be able to take care of his daughter and have her a beautiful wedding, right? Let's not let's not get into all of the I'm talking about father and a daughter, me and you talking right now. My life, my children. How do you feel if you can't give your daughter the wedding that she wants to have?
1: Yes. As a father of two beautiful little girls, I would be devastated.
2: Now. They not gonna remember if you was late to the tea party at elementary school, right? When they're six, but they will know if you're not ready to handle certain things when they're sixteen and they want to drive, when they're eighteen mm-hmm. and they want to go to college, when they're twenty five and they want to get married, when they're twenty eight and them and their husband need an extra ten or fifteen thousand dollars down payment on their house, they'll remember that shit. Mm-hmm. I get balance. But you gotta understand what you're trying to accomplish with for you, for your family. Like what are you trying to, what are you trying to do? And that's the balance. Mm-hmm. And, and now to bring it to present day, when you ask how I balance it, well, we were having an inauguration. I wanna watch the inauguration, so I stopped, had me some chicken wings and watched Joe Biden get inaugurated. I had an inauguration party. <laughs> right? A week or so ago, I woke up. I called my assistant. I said, you know what? I don't feel like doing none of this shit today. I said, cancel all of it. And all yeah. I, I did, I watched the Avengers.
3: <laughs>
2: yes. Uh, all day. I sat on the couch and I watched Iron Man and, and I watched what's the dude, um Thor. Thor and I watched the Infinity, the Infinity Ring one. And I just all day. This was like this was like 30 days ago. All day. I just watched the Avengers. You know why? Come and charge. I love it. Yes, yes, right. yes. Right? Now, if I'm doing all the work-life balance 25 years ago, who knows? Right. Right? But now, if I'm tired, I can rest. If I'm stressed, I can rest. If I just don't want to do it,
3: I can rest. Yes. You I mean, know, I think you have really summed up, if if we really think about this, you have summed up the key to life. (laughs) And I think as I get older, you think of things in a different realm. And like you said, you go through different phases. You know, when you were speaking about your your kids and, and how you progressed in life, it really made me think of my own mom. You know, I was raised by a single mom And I told her, I said, it wasn't until I was older and wanted certain things for my own kids that I said, how does she do that? You know, she did it by herself. And I never wanted for anything. I never knew, you know, they always say you don't want to know how the sausage is made. Uh, (laughs) I just knew that when I woke up, my mother was there. When I went to bed, my mother was there, not knowing she was working two or three jobs at the time. She was an entrepreneur and working full time. She just made it work somehow. You know, so I do. I tell her now that she's, you know, older and her kids are growing and said when you the same thing, if you're tired, you deserve to take a break.
1: Uh, yeah. Dawn, it's been a pleasure. And, and with the time that we have left, we really do have a special announcement. And we were talking about being on the board and serving as a mentor, coach and fester. Mm-hmm. I am just super honored as the president and CEO of Substantial Media LLC to be able to say that you have taken that interest and seen something in myself, Evelyn, and the team of people that we have looking to continue to create and develop this uh, multimedia online platform. And you are going to be uh, an investor in Substantial Media LLC. And when I talk about owning 2021, I mean, just to have you, or, or just to be able to have a moment to have conversations with you, that and have you as that engaged board member, I'm truly grateful. But but, speak to our audience about one, just like just what what you saw one, but then two, why uh, substantial media?
2: Yeah, you know, I remember vividly, right? You know, you invited me to speak at. I think it was the 2019. Was it 2020 or 2019 Black Lens Symposium? 2020. 2020. And uh, that's where we got introduced. Like I, I, I knew of you and saw you on the website and different things for for the mm-hmm. Institute of Emerging Issues and things like that. But we didn't really know each other. But I went to this event. I walked in the room. I was like, "This is well. This is well done." I was like, this uh, this is pretty good. The crowd was full. The speakers were really engaging. And the mission was to empower African-American men to be greater, to be better, to work together doing it. So I started to just be watchful. And I remember you and I talked for about five minutes outside corridor. And I said, what else are you into? Right? Because I was like, yeah, I'm going to hire this cat. You know what I mean? Like this, I don't know what he's doing, but he need to get on. He, he need to get with a DT experience. I need to, I'll find something like I am I need to hire this cap. And I said, what, what are you doing? Cause whatever you were doing, I was going to be like, yeah, don't worry about that. We need to go do this. Right? <laughs> and I remember you talking about substantial. I remember you talking about the different things that you were doing. And I said, no, man, this guy's unhireable. This is a, this is a full throated entrepreneur right here, right? Like you don't really want to hire a full throated entrepreneur in your traditional business, <laughs> right? Like they're they're decent employees, but they're not great employees because they got like five hustles, right? Like they're good employees, but then you know. They're... So I was like, yeah, nah. And, and then he started, but you started to tell me what you're doing with substantial. And I was like, wait a minute, you have a, a digital, you have a magazine. It's like, oh, not only do we have a magazine, we do the substantial awards in Greenville, North Carolina. We partner with this and then we do this and then we work with underserved youth. And I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> but you started telling me your vision of what you wanted to do. And I remember asking you, so you just want to have a magazine in Eastern North Carolina? I'm like, no, right. I want this to become, and I think Evelyn, you said this. You, you said, we want to become Black Enterprise's cooler little sister. Yes. You know what you said? you said? Yeah. I, I was in talking to both of you. I was like, I just like the rhythm of what they're putting down, right? Yeah. And so then I had to figure out, are they willing to do the work? Because a lot of people can talk a good game and, and, and put it. And so as I researched you all, I got more compelled that, man, what if I could give them a little support financially little support with my network, a little support with my knowledge. Could I be helpful for this vision? And what you're doing is creating a media enterprise that speaks the truth of not only who we are, but what we can be. Yes. And so I was like, I, I need to be helpful if I can be helpful. And that's why we started those discussions. And and ultimately, uh, put my checkbook where my mouth was, and my and my time where my rhetoric was. And so, those are some of the reasons that you know. In in talking with with both of you over the course of the last few months, uh, I wanted to be a, a part of what what you all are doing, and and see if I can lend a hand in a positive way.
1: Yeah. yeah, this is like I said, been a pleasure. So so thank you so much for this opportunity, for this experience, for your support, for your thought leadership, for your insight. And the sky is the limit as to where we go, because I assure you, when we built this company, we did so with that duality in mind, uh, those uh, various dimensions of diversity, right, where the the mother, the husband, the father, the veteran, the, you know, all of those components working together to uplift and empower community. Uh, and I'll just leave with how I started. Donald Thompson, you are the example of, of substantial, Right of considerable importance size and worth. you are strongly built and made and we are so glad to have you as a part of the substantial family and community well, I appreciate it question my I tell myself I'm worth it no one's perfect I gotta I'm at my
2: this podcast is edited and produced by earphones if you're looking for more information on how full-service podcast production can amplify your voice build your community, visit earfluence.com. Thank you for listening and we'll see you soon on the Donald Thompson podcast.